on this episode of Three Bros Sports Podcast, the podcast of three college students who could just talk about sports forever. It's an action-packed one, although there is no real live sports going on right now. Quarterbacks are moving left and right throughout the NFL realm, and Cam Newton's still available. Andy Dalton now joins him as well. Jameis Winston signing before Cam Newton. It's a crazy time. We got special guests coming on for today. We have Stephen Cameron, the president and the podcast host for The Close-Up Magic. He's going on to discuss the possibility of Disney World being the home for the NBA. It's it's a little shocking. And also his thoughts on the Aaron Gordon diss track that was either completely fire or completely trash. Depending on who you are, everybody's got their different opinions. And also, Matt Snideman makes a return back onto the show, the beat writer for the Green Bay Packers from The Athletic. He's given his thoughts on the draft, the Jordan Love pick. And also, is Aaron Rodgers completely gone? But first... Shut up and sit down. And welcome back to another Three Bro Sports Podcast, a podcast of three college students. You can just talk about sports forever. I'm Connor. I'm Calvin. I'm Latavius. Latavius. Now, is that a tribute to Latavius Murray, one of the greatest <laughs> running backs for the Vikings for 2016 and my fantasy team? <laughs> yes, of course. He was uh, Adrian Peterson 2.0. Um, so yes, <laughs> the thing like the thing about him was he was my fantasy football savior. I would pick up Latavius Murray. I think it was 2017, 2018, even when he was on the Saints. I picked him up every single year off the waiver wire, and he saved me. Whenever Kamara went down with an injury or Dalvin Cook, Mm -hmm. he was the main guy. He led me to a championship. He's that red zone. Uh, He's going to punch it in for you, get a lot of touchdowns. I mean, when they had uh, Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon on the Minnesota Vikings, that was like a nice one-two punch. I know he never got to play for the 49ers, though, towards ACL. Jarek McKinnon did. There is a chance that McKinnon will be playing to restructure this deal when they send out Matt Breida. But we're getting off topic here. We're getting off topic, but that's fine. I like that we can always be doing that. It's a podcast of three colleges who just talk about sports forever. It's in the title, folks. We'll talk about whatever. I mean, with no live sports going on, I think we could just come up with any sport and we'll find a way to start talking about it, give our analysis. But it's kind of weird that every single week, a lot of people would think, oh, people who do sports podcasts, there's not a lot to really talk about. Oh, right now there actually is. And we haven't had a live game in over two months. Or it's going to be too much real soon. It's mind-boggling to me, but a lot the NFL realm, let's just start off with Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston just signed with the New Orleans Saints for one year, $1.1 million contract. Now, I want to put this into a perspective. Winston is going to make $1.1 million. Nathan Petermeme, the greatest quarterback of all time, will be making $1.8 million. 1.8, 700,000 more as he should. Than, a guy, than a guy who threw for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. And now, he's criminally underpaid at 1.8, if I must say. <laughs> you know, I dropped him on my fantasy team last year, <laughs> and I, I said I'd only move him for Saquon Barkley, and people wouldn't do it. It didn't make any sense. I, I don't know what was going on. But Winston for 1.1... I guess you're, you're following the same route as uh, Teddy Bridgewater of you just be the backup for one year. Maybe Breeze isn't healthy the entire time. You get a little, you can boost up your value more and sign somewhere else. But the thing about Bridgewater was he was injured and he never could really prove he was ready. Winston hasn't dealt with any injuries that it had to take him a while to get back. 
he just had a really bad IQ last year. And maybe the LASIK surgery helps, but Calvin, what what does this mean for Winston's future? Is he bank? I feel like he's banking too hard on he's going to get a big contract next year. I mean, I guess for his future, maybe it's just kind of an insurance policy for if the Saints aren't as confident with Taysom Hill as Drew Brees' successor. Maybe they'll go with Winston. Either that or this basically just means he's going to be a backup for most of his careers. Once you go into a year as backup and don't show anything out of it, you're pretty much a career backup at that point. Unless you're Ryan Fitzpatrick, but you manage to steal yeah. every NFL team's money. But I don't see that happening. <laughs> That's a good gridiron heights reference. I know I, 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 I could just tell right there. But then again, that now leads me to another question. I feel like it's a game of 21 questions. Brett, what is Taysom Hill's role now? He's now the third string. I, didn't he deserve to become a second, like the backup? His role is to carry fantasy teams next year because now he's going to be able to line up at flex and tight end. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, with all the money that's got fantasy on the line, you know, Sean Payton's going to draw up some plays for him. He's going to have he's, he's going to have Drew Brees and Jameis Winston on the field at the same time, you know, do some flea flicker action. And uh, Jameis Winston is going to be out there you know, licking W's, you know, we eating W's out here with Drew Brees and the Saints. I mean, he said it best. I mean, it's like studying at Harvard. I mean, you can't learn from anybody better than Drew Brees. I know a lot of people thought maybe Pittsburgh for Jameis Winston. I said that, Um, yeah. Yeah, to be behind Ben Roethlisberger, you know, you don't know how healthy he's going to be, but people are saying he's looking like uh, the rookie of the year again for for some reason. (laughs) It's like 30 years later, it seems like, but um. I think it's gonna. It's a good fit for Jameis, even if he's getting paid a little bit less. There's no one else better to learn under. Yeah, you're right. But then again, let's think. When was it the last time there was a good backup for Ben Roethlisberger? Of like, when did Ben Roethlisberger teach someone to become a lot better? Never. I I I, I kind of just thought about that, even though I just wrote an article a few weeks ago saying that Jameis Winston's a perfect fit to learn from Big Ben. Byron Leftwich. Uh. Who? <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Uh, yeah. Who is the guy who was like really terrible for, but he was his backup for like three or four years? Oh, oh. Landry Jones. Landry that's Jones. Thank you. Yeah, that's the name. I forgot about him. He was supposed to be like hyped up. Then didn't he play in the AAF yeah. or the XFL? One of the two. I think he played in the AAF. Or was it Dobbs? He played in the XFL. Um, he played for. I don't know. Their uniform was blue. I know that much. <laughs> I don't remember the team names anymore. That's long gone. But um, yeah, I think maybe Byron Leftwich is a little before your time, Connor. You were probably still like uh, getting pushed around in a stroller or yeah, something. Yeah, uh, probably. That, that does seem really, that seems familiar to me. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think. There was one more quarterback for Pittsburgh that was supposed to be a hyped up player. I feel like it was Joshua Dobbs. Uh, yeah, Josh Dobson. Yeah, yeah. He, he he was hyped up to be pretty solid, like kind of the next guy for Big Ben. It it didn't work out, but still, it's a difference of putting up a guy who was good in college versus a guy who just threw for 5,000 yards in the NFL, although that team didn't really win as much as they should have. But that's whatever. But now, as of today, Thursday, uh, April 30th, I don't even know that because yesterday was my birthday. I know you don't have to be saying happy birthday because this is a podcast. I can't hear you when when you're listening to this. So you saying happy birthday makes no difference. Just an FYI. Andy Dalton. for 15 seconds while the audience sings it to you if you want. 
you know, we can save that for a later time. I, it's okay. But Andy Dalton was released by the Bengals. Now, this comes to the surprise of absolutely nobody, as Joe Burrow is going to be the starting quarterback for Zach Taylor. Now, Andy Dalton and Cam Newton, or Newton, depending on it, certain people, they, they like to just say it's Newton. Out of those two, which one's being signed first? But better yet, what is going on with Cam Newton, and why can't a team sign him? I thought it was the Chargers. I thought that was the perfect fit, and then they decided to go get Herbert. I I don't see the Patriots being a perfect fit, in my opinion. I, I don't see New, Newton's ability to be running around as a fit for Josh McDaniel's offense. Is there another team that he could easily go to? Calvin, are, do you have any team in mind? I mean, for Cameron Newton... Maybe Denver would pull the trigger on him, but at this point, no, they they can't do that. They just got Judy. They they gave him like three new receivers. I'm, it's Cortland Sutton, Judy, and then they pick somebody else up. I, I can't see that I'm, one either. But I mean, Andy Dalton, I feel like would get signed first just because. Because one of the other big things we see here is that okay, Andy Dalton is showing that he's not the the viable starting quarterback that everyone thought he was. So wherever he goes, he's more than likely going to be a backup. Then with Cam, he's won an MVP. He's done all these great things, and he didn't really drop off too much, just had some injury problems. People are going to be expecting him to be a starter. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, do you really need to sign Cam Newton as your starting quarterback for probably a pretty big deal? It's just one of those things where it's not really worth it for a lot of teams. Yeah, I I can see it more of... Dalton has a better fit to be a starter. Like I'm looking at the Patriots in particular. I don't see Stridham being the starting quarterback opening day. And if I'm picking Cam or Andy Dalton uh, on who is more likely to sign with the Patriots, I feel like Dalton. He he has been, uh, let's just say the numbers haven't been that great, but there's been no real offensive line help for him. A.J. Green cannot stay healthy on a field to save his life. A new head coach that... I don't know if maybe he was the greatest coach out there. No, no. In my, that's just my personal opinion. It, it didn't seem like they actually had a real direction. It kind of just had Dalton just sitting out there. I, I kind of felt bad for him that year, especially being benched, being told that you're not going to be the starter anymore on your own birthday. Your own birthday present is your head coach telling you you're not going to be the starter and is being handed off to a fifth rounder. You know, Connor, back in your baseball days, did they ever tell you you weren't going to be starting pitching on your birthday had you been playing a baseball game that day? I, I mean, sure in high school, my coach just kind of told me I sucked. So, like, that was a good birthday uh, present okay. itself. <laughs> but, <laughs> the birthday present that lasts a lifetime. I mean, I had some shoulder problems. Let's, let's get that out of the way. And, but that's fine, okay? He can think whatever he wants. Well, I'm doing a podcast, and I know that he isn't. So, top of that. I'm not going to say his name, but coaching. <laughs> it, it just <laughs> it just seems very strange of what Dalton was, what his role is supposed to be in Cincinnati. But the Patriots seem like the best team for him of he's going to kind of do the same stuff Brady did of you don't expect him to be mobile. He's kind of just more of a pocket passer. That's kind of Dalton's role. Now, he isn't as smart out there as Brady. I, I Obviously, he's made a lot of bad decision making uh, throughout the past few years, but I feel like Dalton would just be the better overall. Brett, are you kind of feeling the same, or you would, or would you think 
the Patriots would go for Cam. I don't think the Patriots go for Cam. I like Andy Dalton to go there. I like them, you know, unveiling their old red uniforms with him with his nice red hair. I think that would be a good fit for him. Um, he'd fit right in on the, on the team. Um, but I don't think Andy Dalton gets enough credit for for his athletic ability. I mean, remember when Muhammad Sanu was on Cincinnati, he used to throw touchdown passes to Andy Dalton and Andy Dalton's diving into the end zone. You know, he can move much more than Tom Brady could. I mean, Tom Brady was slow once, you know, day one, once he got into the league. So that's never been a thing that, you know, has changed for him. But I do like Andy Dalton to the Patriots and for Cam Newton, I like him to the Jaguars. I think that would be an interesting uh, place. You know, if he's going to be a backup somewhere, I'm going to take my money on someone who I think, you know, Gardner Minshew, who knows to say if he doesn't get hurt in those 16 games and Cam Newton's a guy who could come in. I don't think that, you know, everybody loves Gardner Minshew and his mustache, but I think if anybody could come in there and take his job, Cam Newton, you know, dabbing on the defense, that'd be a good, that'd be a good fit for him. I mean, I, I, I could see Jacksonville being a place of where Cam could go. I mean, Leonard Fournette has said, why don't you come over? But at the same time, I feel as if this is Minshew's team until proven otherwise. Maybe the, his one year wasn't the greatest, but he did earn the respect of the clubhouse. And also he's a fan favorite. And, you know, Jacksonville, they haven't been the world's most marketable team when Ramsey leaves. And now there's a lot of dispute between them. One of their former linebackers was just arrested. And also your star defensive tackle is now chirping at ownership on Twitter to trade him and getting upset that he just got franchise tag tagged. So it feels as if Minshew has to stay around just so they have some form of positivity for the team. Everything just There's seems no off. team out there. There's no team out there where Cam Newton can walk in day one and be the starter. Yeah. I mean, we thought maybe San Diego or Los Angeles. Yeah, there's still sorry. San Diego. Um, yeah, there's still San Diego in the heart of all of their fans that aren't going to their games out of spite, but um, <laughs> I think that, yeah, there's not I a team out there. Wide. Go ahead. Yep. Yep. I was just thinking, thinking, what about the Raiders? Cause I mean, they've been looking, looking for other guys other than Derek Carr at this point, Cam, I mean, he could end up lasting all the way till the regular season being unsigned. But to me, it's just kind of like, they've been trying to shop Derek Carr for a while now why not bring in Cam Newton and there you go. There's his replacement. You can ship off Derek Hart or whatever, and no one's going to bat an eye at it. Well, Cam reminds me of somebody who's going to bet on himself, you know, always. So being that there's not a team where he can walk in day one and be the starter, he's probably, I got to think that he would be looking at which, you know, quarterback that's starting right now has the opportunity. He has the opportunity to surpass. And I think Gardner Minshew is a good example. And I, I don't think Derek Carr would be crazy. I think that, you know, John Gruden and Derek Carr don't always seem to be the best of friends on the sidelines there. So I have one idea for, for this. Now this wouldn't mean Newton Newton's going to be signed day one, but let's just remember Ron Rivera just signed with the Redskins. Rivera never really was, like, he loved Cam. He really did. Cam just got injured towards the end. Things weren't working out. Now, if Haskins cannot take that next step, I think there's a possibility Cam would go to Washington and take over the starting role. Uh, he already knows what the system is. Having a guy like Terry McLaurin, he's 
probably a better receiver than anybody Cam has had. I mean, the best receiver he had was a, a Kelvin Benjamin, who uh, he got a little chubby towards the end. He wasn't the greatest. And then a Steve Smith hanging by a thread of he 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 had to, he was ready to retire. He he wasn't physically up there. He had Greg Olson. Don't get me wrong, but having a speedster like like McLaurin. That's totally different for Cam. He's never really had that kind of guy. I mean, Curtis Samuel and uh, DJ Moore, they were supposed to be really good for him. They never really met expectations. Now, the advanced stats will say, oh, but Moore's supposed to be phenomenal. Same with Samuel. Well, I mean, advanced stats are a lot different than wins and losses. You need win- You need to, w- if the receiver's going to be good, you'll have more wins. And they didn't towards the end. I- couldn't that be a realistic idea for where cam could go if he's going to wait it out he'll go back to the coach who always loved him i don't see why not i don't think that's crazy yeah. i mean it's it's a better idea than me trying to say you know what maybe he's going to be the backup for jimmy grappolo all the fans didn't like him for making one bad throw in the super bowl so he's the new back maybe 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 the packers will sign him oh god <laughs> Who knows? But well, stay tuned for Matt Steinman coming on about that. But the baseball side of things, since we're talking about uh, new players going to new teams and everything, new divisions, the MLB has now come out with an idea that there's a possibility that they may actually start up the season by July 2nd, which seems crazy to me. But the idea would be it's three divisions of 10 teams. And the part of this is that all 30 teams would get to play at home. But here's kind of where I have a lot of questions for. A place like Toronto, they've canceled all public events, even sporting events. I don't know specifically if it's meant for having no fans in in the stadium or not, but they're not allowing it until August. Florida and Georgia allow it. I think a couple others as well, but this seems really odd to me that there's a lot of confidence thinking that they'll start it up by July. Brett, the baseball expert, is this real? I mean, there's just been a lot of talks, but could this actually happen? You know, I, there's a lot of rumors that have come out ever since this whole pandemic pandemic started about, you know, how it's going to come back. And, you know, the more rumors that come out like this and, you know, they talk about, oh, I don't really know. It's just an idea. It, I don't, I don't see it happening for a long time. I think uh, it's going to be really tough. I liked the idea they had about having them all in one area. I think that makes more sense because if you can't even have fans at your home games, what's the point of even playing there? I mean, you should quarantine yourself in a facility like they talked about in Arizona. I think that makes the most sense. I know Arizona's hot, so is Florida, which was another place that they were talking about, but. I think that makes more sense in my eyes if they're going to go any direction just because, you know, even if you still have the home games, just having them travel around. I mean, this whole virus, they have no idea when it's going to end or how to cure it yet. So they should they should keep everybody in a safe place if they're going to try to bring it back. And that's just really hard to do. (laughs) I I agree. I mean, it's it seems a little far fetched of the optimism of this really happening. I I don't get it personally, especially where a lot of big cities are still hotspots. I mean, I, I, it doesn't make much sense to me, but I'm just going to leave it at that. We're, we're going to just take a quick little break. When we come back, 
Stephen Cameron. He is the president and podcast host for The Close-Up Magic. He's going to be joining us to kind of talk about the NBA's new idea for uh, staying at Disney World. I find this really interesting, and I had to get a guest on for this to kind of go over it a little more. And also, we ha- we need to have somebody talk about Aaron yeah. Gordon's diss track, okay? We couldn't get Mickey Mouse on. <laughs> I, I don't know if you – I tried. He's, he's, just, he's just swamped with this whole virus going Yeah, on. he didn't check his DMs, but we're going to be back in just one second. And we are back. We got a special guest on with us. We have the president and the podcast host for the close-up match. We got Stephen Cameron. Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, fellas. How are you all? I'm doing just fine, personally, for myself. We're doing as well as we can be. It's pretty nasty out where we're at in Delaware. Where are you, where are you calling from? It looks pretty sunny <laughs> I out actually there. live in Oakland, but I grew up in Orlando, Florida. Uh, I'm, oh, okay. I'm missing California. I, I was uh, born and raised in Sacramento, so it's, it's a lot You're... different from uh, Sacramento to Delaware. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, there, there's yeah, something I'm learning. There's something I'm learning called humidity. It, it. I didn't learn about this in California, and I know Oakland doesn't have such a thing, but I'm starting to learn about it now. But that's a different story about it. So, Stephen, let's just dive right into the NBA side of things because there's been a lot of reports going around that the NBA may be opening up in your hometown of Orlando being played at Walt Disney World. Now, personally for myself, I like this idea way more than the Las Vegas idea. As we can look at the 2007, if I'm not mistaken, that was the year, All-Star Game, where crime rates were at an all-time high throughout it. The players were scared to leave their hotel rooms, and it just never panned out in any way, shape, or form. But the idea of playing it on pub, on private property, they have all the facilities in the world that are set up for broadcasting. I kind of like this idea. What are your thoughts on it? You know, have you ever been to Vegas? Vegas is like a crazy city. It's absolutely crazy. And so the less crazy you can put into the already gnarly situation that the NBA is in, the better. Uh, with Disney being, you know, like a private location, very controllable. I mean, dude, they have their own jail for crying out loud and their own police force, right? So like with Disney having that type of capabilities, you can control the environment much more, right? Las Vegas is a city. Disney is its own city, but essentially they can control who's coming in and who's going out a lot easier than what's going on in Las Vegas. So it makes perfect sense. I mean, they host... Nat or you know national and world sport competitions are annually anyways they're already set up for this type of thing and they have oh, i mean orlando i think is like the hotel capital of the world that doesn't even include disney so then you add disney hotels you, you got limitless options here it's it's crazy yeah it just makes too much sense no i agree now, does any player elect to stay up in one of those princess suites at the top of the castle there? You know, you one player maybe LeBron James might. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly who I was thinking. If anyone's going to get up there, it's who's LeBron. Gonna, He's got to be at the top. Who gets the princess treatment in the entire league? It's always LeBron, right? So it's going to it's gotta be him. Or maybe they give it to, like, uh, you know, last year's MVP and, and Giannis or something like that. No. Extra congratulations. Giannis deserves the, the best suite for Animal Kingdom. As a freak of nature for himself, I feel that is the best role for him. And Robin Lopez has been going out on Twitter saying that he would he has dibs on the Polynesian, and everybody's starting to claim out their stakes. So I think the players are getting on board with this idea. I love it. I think this is awesome. ESPN can easily broadcast everything, 
and it gives all the teams a chance to play. I mean, what is the real downfall of it? I I can't find one. I can't find one. It's it you know Orlando is an entertainment hub uh, as far as you know everything. You know you you got the television world there. You got all the theme parks there. Everyone and their mother goes there at least once or twice a year to vacation anyway. So you're you're gonna have less distractions for the players. You're not gonna have you know the crazy nightclubs and the gambling and all that stuff that Vegas has. Um, you know, it's family friendly. So if the players want to bring their kids and their wives, they can do that too. And they can be entertained. It's, I, I don't see a downside to it. Now, you know, the league's just got to pull the trigger. Once things calm down a little bit, they, they have to be able to isolate, um, these players so they don't go out and they got to be able to test everyone. You know, Disney laid off a ton of people. Um, my sister actually used to work for Disney for many years. And, you know, those, those cast members, they don't get paid a ton, um, especially with Florida's minimum wage being what it is. So it's like any work they can get right now, I'm sure they would jump on as far as the employees there. So just pull the trigger, NBA. I mean, you also got to think, like, NBA also owns ESPN. ESPN has a massive, like, entertainment thing already on Disney property. They have, uh, didn't they just open up that um, at the beginning of the, the year, they have some new like entertainment NBA um, thing on yeah. Disney property. Anyways, I forget what it's called. Yeah, no, it's um, like the NBA virtual experience or something like that. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. So like they just opened that up. It, it makes, it just makes too much sense. And then with Disney being the, uh, the logo sponsor on, on the Jersey for the magic, it's like, <laughs> At least the magic might have a you know home court advantage. <laughs> as a magic fan. I'll take it. I was kind of thinking the same thing, and I, all credit goes to Keith uh, Smart, uh, Keith, Keith Smith. Smith. Sorry, yeah. one of the yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. Keith Smart's a former NBA coach for the Sacramento Kings, so I get I get the names mixed up a little bit. But, but he was the one who came up with the idea, and you even had him on your own podcast. And I guess the NBA's listening to him, and I love the idea. There's nothing wrong with this whatsoever. <laughs> No, no, just make it happen. What's that? I don't see any drawback. Do you fellas see any drawbacks to it? Uh, not at all. I mean, not honestly, I feel like this could be something that might even be able to expand Orlando in the sports market. I mean, right now they've only got the magic, but I've always felt like they could support other teams like a hockey team, a baseball team, maybe even a football team. I mean, the Bucks are kind of right by, but still, I mean, this could be a yeah, big thing for it's Orlando. It's like a two-hour drive. You know, so Orlando has been trying to lobby for a baseball team for a while. The the Tampa Bay Rays are looking like they might move in the next couple of seasons when their contract is up with their current stadium. So Orlando's been kind of in the pulling for that. They just started an MLS soccer team, uh, like I think like five, six years ago, which has great success and a huge fan base. So it's like, yeah, I think they have the, they host the Pro Bowl there every year. So just, you know, bring it on. It's an entertainment city. Um, and it's, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty clean city too. You know, it's, uh, you don't have to worry about a whole lot of like, you know, theft or anything like that going on. I mean, no city's perfect, but you know, overall it's a, it's a pretty low crime rate city. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't see any, uh, I don't see any negatives to it. Yeah. I actually, I think it should just happen. I got to visit Orlando on vacation, um, in June and it, nice. it, it was it was hot. It was hot as hell. 98 degrees with 99% humidity. That is prime condition out there. But I even <laughs> want to go through Disney World and everything. And it's like, 
this place is just ginormous. <laughs> the players, I feel families would just love this idea of the kids get to just go on whatever ride. If they're all tested and at the same resort, it, it, it makes sense for all the families to get, to get to stay with each other. And like when we're thinking about the MLB, there's been the talks of, oh, they'll play in Arizona. They'll be uh, excluded from their families. It's just the players next to each other. Well, this is a different situation of you can actually bring your family with you because you're all in the private area. You get yourself tested before you go into the park. The kids have the best time of their lives. The wives have a ton of money. They just borrow the husband's credit card. They can give <laughs> Disney more revenue. What? There's no problem with it. I need to see this happen. I need this. And also, why not use Amway Center for the finals if you want to? You put them back in an NBA. You put them in an NBA arena. Something that everyone's familiar with. You you, you could. You know. I mean, it, it's it. And, and maybe at the time they can host the finals, maybe they can start limiting, you know, some form of access to fans in some form of limited capacity. You know, like, obviously, I don't think they could, like, introduce the entire thing to it. But, you know, hypothetically speaking, maybe the finals is held in August or, or uh, September or something like that, right? Like, that's three months away. Maybe they can, you know, I don't know if the Amway holds, I have no idea, 30,000 people. Yep bring in 3000 people like the VIPs at least, you know, some sort of atmosphere. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a doctor. Don't listen to that, <laughs> that kind of shit, but, but, uh, well, that would definitely be interesting. Like, um, you know, if they waited until August or September, you're like, neither of those teams in the finals would have the momentum coming off of their, you know, however many games it took them to get to the finals. Right. So it would be really interesting just to see how each team handled that off time and, you know, who really spent it, you know, working out and not, you know, maybe slacking <laughs> off. You know, it, it's funny. So, like, I don't follow a ton of, like, other teams' players, like, super closely like I do with the Magic players. But, you know, half these Magic players don't even have basketball hoops in their house or on their property. You know, most of all, you know, the younger rookies, first couple of years, those guys are living in, like, high-rise apartments downtown. They're not even living in houses. So, like, they don't have mm. hoops to go shoot on. So half these guys are just doing – body weight exercise and whatever equipment the team was able to give them um, can't even get up shots up. So it's like, you know, at, at some point these, these guys got to start getting shots up if they're going to be able to, to do that. And you can do that in, in Disney. Like, I don't know if the listeners or you guys have like read the, the full on breakdown that Keith did, but like they can have up to 12 practice courts going at the same time, right? So not every team can practice at the exact same time, but they can stagger it throughout the day to get their practice in. Um, there's enough hotels to where if they really needed to, like every team could almost have their own hotel and pool. You know, it's like, wow. uh, it's just, it doesn't, I don't see why they haven't already just said, if we bring it back, this is what we're going to do. I mean, obviously it's the NBA, it's complicated. Uh, there's a lot that goes into this decision, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be cool. Um, hopefully, we can watch some basketball, and it'd be great for Orlando if it can happen there. Yeah, and even the idea of you can even use the Magic training facility even for games if they needed to, because they would broadcast the summer league out of there. That's always a possibility. But one of kind of uh, the best parts about it for me, I lost my train of thought here. Actually, <laughs> it's okay. You know, I lose my train of thought all the time. Um, you know, I wanted to circle back though to to like the the players in the hotels for a second there, right? You can like, you know, you could almost like have every player have their own hotel or their the whole teams have their own hotel, but with like Animal Kingdom being there, they have like a zoo and a safari there. Like we could find like the hawks, we could get them a live hawk for the games. <laughs> and for like 
the grizzlies, we could get them like an actual bear for them for their like a live actual animal mascots. So, like I don't know, just a thought. A live, a live hornet's oh, nest. Yeah. <laughs> Even the ESPN content that can come out of this of you would hand off cam- like GoPros or just cameras to the other guys and they just record their experience out there. Th- that is gold content. There, there's no way of telling me otherwise about that. But moving yeah. on for the magic yeah, just, side of things. Just imagine Lon. Now, let's just move yeah, it on right. to the magic side of things. That we can go on about sure. this forever. I love the idea, but I feel like I'm just now repeating myself over and over as much as I love it. Now, the magic, they're in a great situation right now when it comes to the playoffs. So if the season, ju- if they picked it up and just started on the playoffs, the magic would be in it as of right now. Do you think that this entire weight is more beneficial for the Magic players, especially with all the injuries they've been dealing with, and for Markel Fultz possibly getting a little better out there? Or does this hold them back? Because like you were saying, with the high rises, not a lot of players have enough uh, facilities. Of They may have been lifting so many weights to the point they're chucking basketballs into the seventh row. You know, that's a great question. Uh, I think it it's kind of both, if that makes sense. Um, you know, for a player like Jonathan Isaac, who was a defensive monster leading the leagues in blocks and steals before he um, tweaked his knee, it gives him a chance to come back and possibly join the team. And that would like, that would significantly help the magic for sure. But at the same point, like, these players aren't able to play together right now. So unless they have a legit, prep you know a few weeks of prep time to kind of get their feet back underneath their legs have some warm-up games and scrimmages to really get that connection back within the players um you know integrating injured players back into the system without much prep time that could really throw off the flow and the magic were starting to cook there for a little bit so i don't that's i don't think there's a black or white answer for that question um it's complicated but i think it could help the team for sure like i would love to see jonathan isaac back on the floor um, Alfaruk Aminu, he was another player we had that is out with a, uh, I forget, some sort of ligament that's busted. Yeah, there, there's that, a lot of impossible injuries. Who, who, yeah. who should remember yeah. all of that? Mm-hmm. It's, it's difficult. And I mean, honestly, you know, without basketball playing every single day, it's not like I'm I'm checking on their injuries every single day. Like You're not getting you know, the, the injury report. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but, you know, it, I think it could help for sure. Uh, but at the same point, you know, chemistry is going to change as soon as you integrate a new player that hasn't been playing for the last three months. So um, it's it's a complication there. But I'm sure they'd be able to figure that out, you know. It sounds like the NBA is going to give them a prep time, um, you know, where it would be like a few weeks with some scrimmages and maybe some warm-up games before the regular season would even restart anyways. Um, that's kind of like what I've heard on the, you know, in the NBA world. Okay. I'm liking that, uh, especially give him a little prep time. And that's the one thing LeBron James needs, especially with this two-month break. Uh, it's the one thing that's scaring the entire league, I can guarantee that. Bro, you know half these guys are drinking wine every single night anyway. And Taco Tuesday may be a factor. I like tacos. Yeah. And he's got a chef that's making him custom tacos every Tuesday. So, like, come on. One lucky son of a gun. One. Oh, yeah. I'd like to be in his. I hope that chef can come to Disney with him. <laughs> well, let's, hope, let's hope he does. Actually, no. Disney has some of, like, the best chefs out there, especially through Epcot. Of All the all the uh, chefs out there are from those actual countries. They're there on a, on a travel study, basically. Like, I went to uh, one of the Italian restaurants. Oh, my gosh. It felt like I was in Italy. The experience was amazing everywhere you go. I, I don't know if LeBron needs a chef out there. 
Probably not. <laughs> Who knows? Probably not. Who knows about that? But, Steve, I got one more question before I let you go. Now, I'd be remiss not even to ask about your thoughts on this one. Eric Gordon decided to give out his own diss track towards Dwayne Wade. Now, what were your thoughts on the diss track? Was it fire or not? Because it's it's a heated topic right now. And does this possibly mean he's actually going to try again? Or is he completely done? Oh man, so the diss track that I have such mixed feelings about this, right? At first, you know, it's funny because it's a diss track over the dunk contest in general. Like, I just think that's kind of goofy. Um, so I think the topic in general is just great. Uh, it doesn't sound like either one of them are really taking it that seriously or personal. So it's, you know, it is sort of fun to, to see them, uh, you know, have them battle it out with Dwayne Wade and, in Orlando and Miami have always had sort of this in-state rival anyway. So with that happening, um, it's just, it's just, it's, it could be any more perfect. Uh, I think Aaron Gordon, like he did halfway decent. He's got another track that he released like a few weeks earlier called pull up. And you know, he's not like TI. He's not like Jay-Z. He's not going to throw the craziest bars I feel, but, but he's staying in pocket and, you know, rapping like within himself. And I, I, I wish his basketball game would be within himself like his rap game is. Um, <laughs> it would, he'd probably be a better player. But, you know, in general, like, I think he did a good job. It's not the worst rap I've ever heard. You know, it, it, it's, it's pretty funny. He's got some good lines in there, too. Um, sorry, what was the second part of your question? <laughs> it's not as bad as a Le'Veon Bell rap <laughs> song. Yeah, yeah, I didn't hear that one. But it doesn't you don't even need good. to hear it. <laughs> don't. Okay. I promise you on that one. But do you think that there's a possibility Gordon may actually return for another dunk contest? Yeah, he's, he's done. He's done. Uh, I think he's over. He's, he's done it three times now. Um, he just did an interview on, on Up First. Or no, first take, whatever the show's called. I think it's first take. Yeah, first take. Uh, up first is an NPR show. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, first take, and he basically said, you know, like I've only been to the final, uh, the playoffs once, and that's where I want my energy to go. It's not like a three point contest where you can just sit there and like you know put up shots that you do every day already. It's you know this is something you have to like legit kind of train for and practice hard instead of just you know, putting up three pointers that you do every day anyway. So uh, it's a different kind of training aspect. And, and he seems pretty content with where he's at. You know, obviously I'm sure he wished he had a couple trophies, but um, you know, at the end of the day, it really does seem like winning in basketball is more important than winning in basketball uh, dunk contest. Yeah. So. Yeah. You are right. <laughs> but, I mean, like, dude, am I disappointed? Aaron Gordon has put on some of the best dunk contests we've ever seen. Right. Am I, as a fan, am I disappointed? Yeah, I am because those dunks are ridiculous. That like windmill off the side of the backboard um, that was thrown up by Markel Fultz, like that was one of the sickest dunks I have ever seen in the NBA in general. So, would you say that is better than the dunk over the mascot on a hoverboard? Oh my! That God, one still is. I I personally I think that one takes it. The mascot one takes it because that's like the first time. Like we've seen plenty of windmill dunks. I've never seen a chair like the the ball going underneath in a chair position before. I've never seen that. Now maybe I haven't watched enough dunks, but that just looked that looked brand new. I'd never seen anything like that. And it was a mascot. Like, and the Magic have the best mascot <laughs> in the entire NBA. I'm a Kings fan right now. Samson the Lion, he's up there. (laughs) Well, that's a conversation for another show. We'll save that for a different time. But, Steven, thank you so much for coming on to 3 Bro Sports and lightening up all the moods, especially while on quarantine. Hope all is well for you out there. We hope to have you on again soon, man.
Anytime. Hit me up anytime, fellas. It's a lot of fun. I'm always down to talk basketball, magic basketball, and uh, yeah, and give me a shout. Let's do it again. Of course. Check out uh, Steven's podcast, The Close-Up Magic or Close-Up Magic on Spotify. All the platforms, the same platforms that we use you for Rebro Sports. Guys, got to check it out. Steven, thanks so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. And that was Stephen Cameron from the close-up magic lighting up the mood for us. And it's entertaining, especially when we're talking about Disney and the NBA together. Like that's just a perfect match waiting to happen. We got one more special guest for you guys. We got Matt Steinman, the beat writer for Green Bay Packers. You've already heard me say that before because he's already been on today's show. Not today's, but on prior episodes on our draft day special. He came with the heat and there's a lot to talk about, especially from what he said last time to what he's got to say now, especially with Jordan Love being taken. He'll be on just one second. And we got a returning guest coming on to today's episode. I, I know the bros won't be with us right now. We had a little bit of technical difficulties trying to get all of us in together, but don't you fear we still have other options. As Since we, we are college students, we are somewhat smart when it comes to this type of technology. We got Matt Snyman, the beat writer for the Green Bay Packers from The Athletic, back with us again. Mr. Simon, how you doing today? Good. How about you? I'm doing just fine as it is completely storming outside. It, cats and dogs are being thrown left and right. It, it's pretty bad out there. They've been saying it's the California rain coming out east. But I, I know your time right now as a writer for the Packers has to be super enjoyable with the decision-making going around as it's just creating more content for you. The biggest one of them all, Jordan Love being taken to 26th overall pick. Now, when I had you on a couple weeks ago for our draft day special, we were talking about how you would be surprised if they even went for a quarterback, especially for Jordan Love, that Rodgers now says he wants to have a skill player, he wants to play till he's 40. And even some of the guys you were mentioning on the show uh, with um, with uh, Claypool and then Schult, uh, Chenault from Colorado, they were still on the board at 26, and the Packers just went with Love. What, after this draft, what have you been hearing of why did the Packers go in that direction? What is the real reasoning for that? Yeah, I think as we saw with the decision to draft Aaron Rodgers back in 2005, the Packers, and this is stating the obvious, really value the quarterback position. And they'd rather, you know, have best possible insurance policy for the most important position in sports rather than uh, a complimentary piece. And I'll use the analogy, you'd rather have the best possible home insurance than a flashy game system like an Xbox. And what I mean by that is the most important thing in your life, in the Packers' case, it's the quarterback. In a regular person's case, it's their home. You want to make sure that is locked away and set for the future, regardless of what happens. And, you know, I think the Packers, didn't think they needed as much help at wide receiver as everyone else did. Um, yeah, that was a surprise, but I can see why they made the pick. We can't say if it's a good or a bad pick until years down the road, probably. We can say it's a questionable pick, uh, considering the fact that Rodgers probably did need more weapons. They needed help on run defense. They maybe needed another inside linebacker. But, you know, given how much the quarterback position matters, if they felt that strongly about Jordan Love and that another Jordan Love wouldn't come along in the next couple of years, then they drafted him. And I can see why. Uh, you know, 
maybe I don't agree with it, but then again, I'm not the, the general manager. <laughs> yeah, me, me neither. Uh, on my on our last podcast, I definitely had um, some words about it, and especially for the draft analysts. Now, look, I, I get that under quarantine, we get bored. And sometimes a lot of people like to make bold uh, uh, statements. I do not care about what they are saying. Jordan Love is not the next Patrick Mahomes. I, I cannot convince myself in any way that he will be the next Mahomes. Yes, you could say, well, he has a good arm, but his completion percentage went down uh, his final year. He, he doesn't have the great de- most great decision-making. I, I, can't, I can't justify that. Are you seeing something I'm not? Or it, is there maybe actual, like, that type of potential out there? I think it's way too soon to say <laughs> yeah. that he will be or he won't be. I mean, we just don't know either way. One thing we have to consider is, you know, Jordan Love went from 32 touchdowns and six interceptions his uh, redshirt sophomore year, so that would be 2018, to 20 touchdown passes and 17 interceptions last year. But there's a reason for that. Nine offensive starters were not returning. The only offensive starter that returned to Utah State besides Love was left tackle Alfred Edwards. And I talked to Alfred the other day, yesterday actually, and he basically says, you know, we're not here to make excuses, but we had a whole new offensive system. I mean, the entire coaching staff was different from Jordan Love's redshirt sophomore year to his redshirt junior year. The only member of the coaching staff that was similar was the guy who relays the plays to Jordan from the sideline, so like an assistant, not even the guy who calls the plays. So two, two people remain similar. The guy who relays the plays and gives Jordan Love the signals from the sideline and his left tackle. So, yes, he did make some questionable decisions, um, but as other people have said, when you're the only player on, on your team who can give your team a chance to win, you might have to take some chances that you otherwise wouldn't take. And I think while those numbers are concerning, uh, there's definitely a reason behind them. You actually got me on that because I was then about to kind of throw in, well, shouldn't it be like if we're going to say he's going to be a a smart passer, wouldn't you still be trying to limit those mistakes and kind of go with more of of a check down, more check downs throughout it, kind of go with the safer options instead of risking it a little more, but – yeah, when you're losing nine of your guys, yeah, that is tough, especially new offensive coordinators and your completion percentage only going down 3%. It, that is nice. It, it just still mind boggles me of the decision, and, and I understand that they value the quarterback position so much, but could this have been because the 49ers traded up and got Brandon Ayuk at 25? Does that play a real role? Because it seemed kind of surprising that they went with love like there was just no indication that that was what they wanted to do i mean yeah uh, we don't know exactly what to read into based on what they were saying before the draft or you know even during the draft when people were saying the packers wanted to trade up for a receiver or whatnot maybe they wanted iu they'll never say and it's not my place to assume who they wanted or whatever but um Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, did say after the top crop of wide receivers, he just didn't see any that would be locked to make the team, which is why they didn't take one in uh, after the first round. Now, was Jordan Love rated higher than Brandon Ayuk on their board? I don't know. But what we do know is Jordan Love was the highest remaining player on the Packers board. So whether that means he was higher than Ayuk, who went at 25, we don't know, but it, it's certainly possible. 
but that that would just be assumption at this point. Yeah, it's kind of almost grasping at straws to try to figure out the real answer, especially when no real team will actually give you those answers. As annoying as it may be to all the fans out there, especially the ones on Twitter where they are demanding the right answers from writers, and it's like, I'm not the general manager. I, I cannot tell you, especially um, on the 49ers side of things. As uh, Not a lot of fans were happy about Javon Kinlaw, but that's a totally different story. That's just my perspective for myself. But now... The real question kind of goes to Aaron Rodgers now because Jordan Love, now he signed a four-year contract and there's the fifth-year option, but Rodgers, if I'm not mistaken, has four years left as well. And I know this may throw a lot of red, uh, a lot of alarms out there when Brett Favre goes on and says, I guarantee you that this Love pick got the gears going in Rodgers' mind. All he really needed was a reason to go. Is this kind of alarming for Rodgers? Because he hasn't shown that he's really gotten worse over time. He's still playing at a pretty high level. Yeah, no, I I don't know what the Packers are trying to do with Rodgers. It's certainly possible that they have no intention to uh, replace Rodgers with Jordan Love in two years. They could just say, we want a really good backup just in case Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. And one of the most important positions on the team is backup quarterback. And we've seen in recent years how bad the Packers were when they had to play Brett Hundley. <laughs> I remember uh, Brett Hundley. Oh, boy. Who else? And when they had to play Deshaun Kaiser, I mean, backup quarterback is a very important position. And while granted, you know, using a first-round pick on one, probably indicates that you're looking to replace the starter with the backup, you know, in the near future. We don't really know if that's the case. Now, the Packers can realistically get out of Aaron Rodgers' contract either after this coming season if they want to trade him or after the 2021 season if they want to cut him. Now, I don't know if either of those is going to happen. We we could very well see Aaron Rodgers play out the last four years of his contract. He's still playing really well then the Packers trade Jordan Love for a third or fourth round pick. Jordan Love might never play a snap for the Packers. We could see Jordan Love take over as the starter in two years. We could see Jordan Love take over as the starter next year if Aaron Rodgers tears his ACL. I mean, we can, the pick speaks for itself. And, and sure, it seems like the Packers want to replace Aaron Rodgers with Jordan Love in the near future. Otherwise, why would you take a first, first round pick on him? But same time, everything Matt LaFleur and Brian, Brian Budicon said is that Rodgers is still one of the best quarterbacks on planet Earth, which is true, and they plan on riding him for the distant future to, to hopeful championships. So it's certainly going to be one of the more interesting storylines in sports in the NFL uh, the next couple of years is how this quarterback drama, per se, pans out. Yeah, because this screams to me Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo all over again. Of They got Garoppolo in the second round. It wasn't a first-round pick, but still the idea of, well, Brady still has like three or four years left on the contract. Are, are you just trying to replace him for one year? Or are you just trying to have a good backup in case of anything? And then I think the pa- Patriots may be uh, kicking themselves for hanging up the phone on the 49ers right when they asked if Tom Brady would be the one available for trade and then going uh, for Garoppolo after. May not have been the happiest day of uh, Belichick's life, but who really knows about that? But for the draft in general for the Packers, 
what were your what did you make of it at the end versus like what your expectations were going into it, especially when you're on on the, uh, our podcast, especially you're talking about how they need tight end help a little bit more on the, uh, for linebackers. And they did acquire a couple guys. So what did you make of this draft for them? Yeah, I think if anything, it showed us what they're trying to do on offense next year. They used a second-round pick on their third-string running back, A.J. Dillon from Boston College, 247 pounds, six feet tall. Oh, and they used their third pick on Josiah DeGuara. He's kind of like a fullback tight end hybrid from Cincinnati. And what that tells me is they're trying to improve their power run game. They lost their fullback, Danny Vitale, in free agency to the Patriots. And I think what you want to see is the play-action passing game get a lot better. It was not that great last year. Um, and if they can establish the run more, which Matt LaFleur admitted last year to abandoning the run too early in some games, and that obviously hurt the play-action passing game, if they have Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and A.J. Dillon in the backfield and DeGuara blocking and, and being like a gadget piece there in the backfield, they can run the ball a lot better and make the play-action passing game, which Aaron Rodgers is very good at, mind you, yeah. a lot more unpredictable. So I think uh, we got a little glimpse at what the Packers will try to do uh, on offense next year. Yeah, now DeGuara, he really – he was kind of a sleeper to me of – he really reminds me of a George Kittle type player of kind of coming into the draft more known as kind of a fullback tight end, but with the blocking ability, kind of the opportunities are endless uh, when it comes to what he could be able to do, especially with a guy like Aaron Rodgers. But I'm, I'm just, I'm really curious to see what they're going to be doing in 2020, especially because I think an argument could be made that Packers offense never seemed like it was consistent enough of where it was either one great half and one bad half. They couldn't get that happy medium throughout the entire year. The record still was great for them to got to an NFC championship. You can't complain about that. It just seemed as if as a whole that they weren't there just yet. But now kind of going for the players right now, I Adrian Amos, he kind of came out saying uh, he's a little curious as why the fans are just going crazy. It, basically saying it, it feels like we just went four and 12 last year. Do you, do you kind of feel as if from this team that the fans being so upset, is that going to be playing a role for next year? Like, especially just for a lot of the guys try, trying to overprove themselves or something to say that this team is legitimate, stop trying to bash what we did this offseason? No, I, I, I don't think, you know, they care too much. Everyone's bored right now. In <laughs> but once they get on the field, it's what some Joe Schmo on Twitter it doesn't matter to them. They're playing for their families, their paychecks. And it's, it, I would say if they have chips on the shoulder, it comes from their own personal motivation and, and stuff that's going on in their lives. But I don't think what I say or what anyone else says on Twitter matters to them. It's just some, some fun fodder for discussion, especially when everyone's stuck in their house. Wait, so you're telling me Joe Smo 47, his opinion won't matter. It, I, well, I would have never guessed that on social media. But, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you on that. But final question before I let you go. Thank you so much uh, for coming on once again. I, I know uh, things are going crazy right now throughout the Twitter realm, and it's getting more entertaining as we speak. But with this, with the uh, additions throughout this draft, how much better do you see the Packers being next year, especially when a team like the Saints have – really ramped up. The 49ers just got Trent Williams after losing Joe Staley, got another lineman for Kent, uh, for uh, Buckner. Like, 
the competition's still really high up there, and there's a lot of sleeper teams. Where do you see the Packers uh, uh, ranking up there going for 2020? I mean, they got to the NFC Championship game with pretty much the same team they have now, I think. The one down, significant downgrade is at right tackle from Brian Bulaga to Rick Wagner. Uh, Bulaga signed with the Chargers in free agency, and Wagner was the Detroit Lions starting right tackle for the past couple seasons. I think uh, they'll need a lot from him, but I still think the Packers are one of the best teams in, in the NFC. I mean, granted, it's a stronger conference. I think the uh, Buccaneers are obviously better. The Saints are going to be there again. I think the Vikings have improved. Uh, the Cowboys have improved. The Seahawks, 49ers, and Rams are always good. Cardinals got DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, it's a really good conference. I think the Packers did get lucky last year because they were so healthy for the majority of the season, and they won a lot of close games, and just naturally, both of those things won't happen. So I could see them, you know, not being a 13-3 and team this coming year, but I still think they're a playoff team, especially with the, the playoffs increasing to seven teams. I mean, they still have Aaron Rodgers. They still have Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones best left tackle in football in David Bakhtiari and, you know, the best edge rushing duo with the Smiths. So I think, you know, this draft and the free agency acquisitions have kind of put a damper on everyone's hopes because everyone's expecting these big moves after such a big season. But I still think they're one of the, the best teams in football. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised, especially with, um, like, the Vegas odds of there, there's, there's a lot of uh, books out there that are saying, like, on the top eight teams to win it all, that the Packers aren't even one of them. It, it's kind of a little shocking to me that there's that these expectations are just so low for the Packers. But, I mean, if you're into going on for the sports book, you're hearing it here first. I would highly recommend going for Packers for whatever it is. Take the odds for them. I'm, I'm not even that big on it. I'm not even at the legal age, actually. But that's just me. But, Mr. Snyman, thank you so much for coming on. I I know things just are just getting more entertaining, and hopefully uh, we can have some live sports coming on soon. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate you having me back on. Go ahead. And thank you to Matt Snyman for coming on. Sorry about the technical difficulties. We couldn't get all the bros together, but that's fine. We still had uh, Stephen Cameron come on, and all four of us were together. So that's what matters in the end. But, guys, that's going to wrap things up for today's podcast. Hope you guys did enjoy. Check us out on all of our social media platforms, Bros Sports TV, for everything. Like our page on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Everything. Check out our website, 3 brosports.com. It's easy. Just type in three, the number three, bros, B-R-O-S, sports, S-P-O-R-T-S, dot com, dot C-O-M. It's really easy, guys. Do it. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Brett. Thank you. It's, or Latavius. I, 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 please forgive me. Please whatever forgive it is me. right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. But we're. I know the website has been a little off with the articles, but don't you worry. Finals are done for college students. We're going to be cranking up the articles. You guys need to check it out. Follow us on all the social media platforms. Be alerted whenever we have a new podcast up. Even sign up for our newsletter. Just because. Do it, all right? Do I need to bring Shay LaBeouf into here to scream, just do it? Don't let your dreams be dreams. Just do it. Sign up for the Three Bros Sports uh, newsletter. Just come on, guys. It, it's easy. But I hope you guys did enjoy. I know there's a lot of... A more light podcast. It wasn't all the seriousness of what kind of what's going on. It, we kind of got more. It, it was more of an entertaining one maybe out there to you guys. I hope you guys did enjoy it. I'm Connor. I'm Calvin. I'm Brett. Have a good one. Fire!
Three Bros Sports would like to thank Anchor FM for sponsoring this podcast and Benjamin Tissot on bensound.com for the amazing intro, outro music. Shut up and sit down.